Welcome to Publish Me, a monthly podcast series from the AS21 Podcast Network, as we explore the publishing process of the fantasy epic, The Will of the Magi. I'm your host, Keith F. Shevlin, publisher of AS21 Media, and here to join me as always is... Hello everyone, this is Paul Dickinson Russell, the author of The Will of the Magi. Hope you're all doing well, and I hope by the time we publish this, you're all enjoying the new batch of snow we're supposed to get next week. Boo. Yay! I got that news this morning. I hate everyone. <laughs> everyone can suffer with me as I heard that news. I've been sharing it with everyone and giving them all the same displeasure I got. I was 78 here yesterday. Yesterday morning, I was wearing my big winter coat, hat, and gloves because I was freezing. And the first half of the day at work, freezing. When I got out of work, I couldn't wear my coat. It was too hot. Yep. I wore shorts. I mean, in the morning, you've got the heat on full blast, and in the evening, you got the air conditioning on. Yeah. What the hell? Life in the big city. And yes. today was the reverse. Yeah. All right. Also joining us, as always... <laughs> Ron Gaynor, design consultant and cover artist for the book, Will the Magi. Yay! And- <laughs> Yay, Rana. And, of course, joining us once again, our frequent guest... This is Corey Parker, Editor-in-Chief at AS21. Good to be back. Hey. Alright, this is Chapter 37 of the Publish Me Podcast. Any proper pop culture person should know, I'm 37, I'm not old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, so, gotta, we, we gotta be ready for that next year, Corey. One more year, Keith. One more year. Don't rush it. Yeah. So chapter 37, we are going to be continuing our discussion of the digital publishing industry, something we started two months ago when we were joined by, who was that guest again, Paul? My dear, beloved mother. Yes. Ah, And I still have that discussion. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We had Barbara Dickinson on two months ago to discuss the birth of digital publishing. And we'll be continuing the conversation on that with Corey as he is... Uh, are you chief proofreader? What's your official title? My official title is copy editor, which includes copy editing, proofreading, and a whole bunch of other little stuff. Okay. Didn't you know that, Keith? Well, no. This is this is his full time job. So. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I think I mean, meant like for AOS. No, no, no. Th- this is how I pay my mortgage. This is my actual job. <laughs> and what is the name of the journal again? Uh, the Journal of Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy. Yeah. Thrilling, I know. Indeed. <laughs> so yes, we'll be discussing that. But first, before that, this is the April 2018 edition of the Publish Me podcast. Remember, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash publish podcast. On Twitter at publish podcast, you can email us, publish podcast at as21.com. If you're listening to us, you're most likely listening to us on uh, hosted by Podomatic on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, and soon, if not already, you should also be able to hear us on Spotify. Ooh! Yes, thanks to a partnership between Podomatic and Spotify. Several of AS21's podcasts are now going to be available on Spotify. Yeah, the only nice. only rule was it had it had to be a currently running podcast, so that ruled out the couple that have since that have ended. And it couldn't be one that was a musical podcast, so that meant History of the Symphony had to, and unfortunately, <laughs> couldn't go. 
Why no musical? Uh, it's part of Spotify's rules. They don't want anything that would compete against them, their radio musical offerings. So. Uh, okay, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, at least that's my understanding of it. So hopefully Spotify listeners will now be able to get their wonderful monthly dose of Publish Me as well. So first, we have some movement. We have some change. We've had some progress. So I'm going to turn it over to Paul and Corey to lock horns over the editing of The Will of the Magi. <laughs> How about you? Popcorn ready. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Corey, I've been really enjoying... So for everyone who's listening, Corey's been getting me... And he's been much better about getting me stuff in a timely fashion than I was getting him anything in this entire process. So thank you, Corey, for being a much better man than I am. Um, <laughs> well, you say that uh, now, but we have a long way to go still. This is true. Um, <laughs> but so far, Corey, you've gotten me the prologue and the first five chapters of The Will of the Magi. Right. Um, I have fully gone through the prologue and chapters one, two, three, and four. Great. And, you know, luckily for me, I guess, 95% of all this, maybe even 97, 98%, is all just either word choice or tense choice at this point, which I've never been very good with. You know, all those are all just like small little changes that you've recommended, and I've had no issue making those changes. I think. I think I found one or two in chapter three where I didn't go with your edit, mm -hmm. but I still made a change there, so that actually I think would work better. I sadly didn't write that part down. So I'll have to refine where I did that. That's good. That's uh, that's part of the process. You know, sometimes we'll discuss something and I think it's not quite right, but you think my suggestion is not quite right. And then right. we find a middle ground or a third option that's better than the other two. Right. Again, you know, we both have very specific ideas and you are only able to operate with essentially what you've read here and then whatever you and I have specifically talked about anything else and the way the way i like to view our the relationship here between you know the editor and the writer is kind of like the relationship between professor snape alan rickman and the director when the director was telling alan you know i want you to do this in this scene but alan rickman was the only person who knew what ultimately was going to happen to snape because mm -hmm. Rowling told him and he's like no that's not going to work i can't do it that way Right. And the director's like, why? And he's like, and you know, the great line is, I know my character better than you do. I can't tell you why, but he can't do that that way. Mm -hmm. He can do it this way or this way, but he can't do it that way. Because he knows ultimately, you know, what's happening to his character. And no again, no one else knew that going in. Mm -hmm. So I do see that as like how we work out. Because again, like I have all this future information. I have all the past information that's Whereas you only have the present, so. Well, I mean, we have gone over in the past how this process started. Corey did a complete read-through of the book before yeah. he started editing, so he at least knows what's coming. Well, and that I, I helped informs him. Paul knows the intentions of what right. he's yeah. trying to say, and whether he conveyed yep. that fully is kind of up to the reader. Right. I think that's what he meant. 
right? Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what I meant because I, 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 and Corey, I know has read fully read the Will of the Magi, but anything that I plan on having after that, ah, okay, yeah, you know, like in certain, yeah, I can speculate, in, but I don't really know unless I talk to you. Right, exactly. I will be the only one who has an idea about where these characters will go after this book. Like you know, everything that's happening yes. in the book already, then that works. But if I know that you know something in chapter four here which makes no sense in this entire book, but it's going to be really, really important in the next book. Yeah, in, yeah. in The World of Magi 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, there is that. I've dealt with people editing my stuff before, never again in this professional capacity, but I'm enjoying this way a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Just torturing Corey? I don't know, Corey, am I torturing you a lot with everything you're having to go through with my book? Uh, no, no. I, I, you know, I think we'll be pretty smooth for the first 10 or 12 chapters, maybe even 15 or 20. And there then, you go. Uh, I think the main thing we have to work on is, is uh, sort of maybe reining in the ending a little bit. But that's something we can get to when we get to it. Right. I have a feeling you might say that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember writing those chapters <laughs> and rereading them, rereading them, and rereading them. Like, did you have a fever when you were writing those chapters? Were you in no. some way incapacitated? <laughs> no, that was me initially starting my Adderall prescription. Because <laughs> they, I have to say, they they are impressively uh, creative, and uh, right. I was like, wow, now he, what? Another another <laughs> twist. What is going yeah. on now? What I the think hell that's, is that? I think that's Paul working with me breathing down his neck. <laughs> Get it done, Paul. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a little bit of that as well. It's like, why haven't you gotten this back to me yet? You said it was done. Yeah. You just edited that. Well, part of the reason for that, too, is that the, the pace picks up so much. And there's so much more action going on than, you know, in the first half or even two-thirds of the book. Yeah, I mean, I will also say that when I was writing... The last several chapters was when I was finally getting into my whirlwind finish of the entire Wheel of Time series. Mm. For the listeners who have read that, 14 books, all of them 800 roughly pages plus, and all the the entire sequent timeline for the entire 14 books is two and a half years. Wow. Right. The first seven books takes place over a time period of like a year and a half books eight nine and ten take place over three months Mm -hmm. the final four books take place roughly over like four or five months i think is the rough breakdown that i've read about and discussed with people you know that includes the entire last book which is the final battle you know the memory of light is a thousand page fight sequence wow. essentially right and so like that's what i was reading on my own time when i wrote when i was writing you know the final chapters of will of will the magi that style that by brandon sanderson was very heavily influencing me hmm. at that point thank you for not making it a thousand pages it's only 800 <laughs> <laughs> only oh remember it needs to kill small pets that's the goal. But there is progress. <laughs> you say five yes. chapters you guys are through now? Yep. So fantastic. It, uh, just about three. That's, that's about 
like two weeks, I think, at this point. A little yeah. bit less than that. I think so, yeah. Because now Paul, when he finishes going through all of that, will send documents back to me, and yep. I will finalize all the changes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we will shelve them for when it's time to lay out the book. Right. Mm-hmm. And I will move on and send him more material, etc., etc. Yeah. Yep. There's one or two sections that I'm... I guess having issues with in terms of like fiddling around with them in your edits. Cause it's like the very first one that I have issues with is my prologue intro chat intro paragraph. So I've, I've rewritten it like three times since I got your edit for that one. Okay. Um, I will say like that's the one thing that I think is bugging me because what you're putting, what you've told me there, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. And, you know, your word, your ideas are a lot better for it. I'm just trying to figure out how I want to phrase it. And I just can't. I've done it, I've done it several different ways. I just can't figure out which way I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, sure it will we, make more sense. we can maybe take a look at all of them and maybe yeah. cobble together the best parts in each. Okay. I'll send everything in the next day or two, I guess. Okay. And section all that in and be like, Here's the prologue section. Here's here's the original version. Here's what you requested. Here's versions A, B, C, D. And we'll figure it out from there. That's okay. fine. Because when I read it, I thought, oh, Wheel of Time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can see the influence, but I think it worked a little better with Wheel of Time because he's a cyclical figure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't Just know. The... Maybe you plan for Aiden to be that. I, I'm not sure, but. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no. Yeah. On spoilers, no, I don't have that plan for Aiden. Okay. Okay. I have a lot more entertaining plans for him, but not that kind of cyclical for future. I got the feeling he was sort of like the first of his kind, um, like uh well, like a lot of things. Yeah. In popular culture. Yeah, yeah. I would that's that's like that's a very good observation and very true for Aiden is that yes, he is essentially the first of his kind. Um, and there's very specific reasons for that, but yeah, you know, to find that out, read the book. There you go. <laughs> yes, there you go. For all for all our listeners, <laughs> if you want to find out what's the what's Aiden future, read the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. And hopefully, this process will go through the spring. And fingers crossed, summer 2018. The book Absolutely will be out at this point. Yep. And maiming small animals. <laughs> no, you, you don't maim small animals. You because that's just mean and you don't want you don't it, it's cruel just maiming things. If you're gonna do something, full out. Utterly destroy it. <laughs> yes. Alright. Now is the point in the show where we take a break. I figured that's a good enough stopping point anyway. And we, now we bring on our, which is our numerous sponsors for this month's episode. Woo! Listeners to this and other podcasts in the AS21 Podcast Network are eligible for a free month from Audible.com, the audiobook service that is sweeping the world with 180,000 titles available for your Kindle, your Nook, your iPad, or whatever device you choose to listen to audiobooks on. I personally have been a steady audiobook listener for some time now. I just finished The Great Bridge by David McCullough after finishing the second book in the RC series by Ursula K. Le Guin. I'm not actually sure what I have up next, though. We'll see come Monday. Uh, <laughs> Corey, have you been listening to any audiobooks lately? 
Actually, we did listen to one recently, my wife and I. We finished, uh, what was it called? Interworld, I believe, by Neil Gaiman and some other guy I'm not remembering. Sorry, other author. (laughs) He's not one I was familiar with, but it was actually really good. I believe it's categorized as YA, but I still found it very entertaining. Good way to pass the time driving to and from Norfolk. Nice. So yeah, go today to audibletrial.com slash AS21 and get a free month, which means you get a free audiobook and it's yours for life. You know, if you stick with the service, you get you get more books as the time goes on, but the first month is free. But if you quit the service, all those any audiobooks you buy while you're with the service are yours to keep. Paul Ooh. Rana, either of you been listening to any audiobooks lately? I actually, as, as of last week, re-signed up for the audi- my Audible membership because mm-hmm. they offered a really great deal. $99 for a whole year and $50 off of any Amazon Echo device. Yeah. So I got a, I got a free Echo Dot because the Dot was 50 bucks, so I got a free Dot. I got my year's membership. I got the 12 credits and then I used one of those credits to buy um, Sherlock, the Sherlock Holmes collection that's narrated by Stephen Fry. Oh, fantastic. I love how, like, before each story, they have a little bit of him and, like, his experience with it, which is fascinating to me because I love him as an actor. I love him as a comedian. I love him as a social activist. And so getting to hear him do the narration for stories that I've really enjoyed just adds more to it for me. So I've really enjoyed that. How about you, Rona? Uh, I've been re-listening, or re-reading, re-listening to um, Going Postal by Terry Pratchett, which is one of my favorite books. I've listened to it so many times. It's it's great background noise for when I'm drawing or, like, sewing my own clothes and stuff. It's, I forget the name of the reader. I think it's Tony Robinson, but he does some fantastic voices, and I love snarky British humor, and Terry Pratchett is a master of satire, so it's always a fun listen. So visit audibletrial.com today slash AS21 and sign up for Audible. 180,000 titles to choose from. Whatever interests you, Audible has booked for it. Check it out today, and the first month is free. Additional sponsorship today is offered by... The next 30 seconds may not be suitable for all audiences as it discusses suicide. Suicidal thoughts are not harmful. Suicide kills. Everyone has a relationship with something unholy they have preferred. That unholy thing soils the vessel where a holy God cannot dwell. Thank God for Jesus Christ that blankets us with the blood of Jesus, allowing us all of God. A Mind's Road to Redemption My Dear Suicide by Anawabuchi Ayozi Now available in paperback from Amazon and Lulu Or ebook for Kindle, Apple, Kobo, or Nook Or www.anawabuchi.webs.com I'd also like to thank a sponsor today Word2Kindle.com Ebook Conversion Services 
Have you finished writing your ebook? Now Amazon wants you to give them a properly formatted Mobi or EPUB file. Let the professionals handle it for only $49. That's word-to-kindle.com. 48-hour delivery, unlimited revisions. Get accepted to Amazon fast. Also put your ebook on Smashwords, Kobo, iBooks, and CreateSpace. So visit word-to-kindle today and get your ebook professionally formatted for e-readers everywhere. All right, now welcome back to Chapter 37 of the Publish Me Podcast. We are now going to get a discussion of the continuing digital publishing industry and especially uh, get some uh, kind of Corey to kind of just dump some knowledge on us as where and you listened to our interview with Barbara Dickinson two months okay. ago where she introduced uh, the start of digital publishing. Tell us, Corey, where is it right now? Just in kind of general idea. Well, everyone loves an info dump, right? So if I get too boring, just interrupt me with pertinent questions. I work at an academic journal, and the state of digital publishing has always been different in the journal's world than it has for books, Uh, usually much more advanced on the journal side. I'm not sure what the reason is for that. Maybe it's because... The publications are continual, and you kind of have to think about the future and archiving and accessibility a little bit more than you would with with an ebook. I don't know, but yeah, there are are continual changes every year. Uh, you always have to keep up with a bunch of different technological uh, goings on. So it's interesting. What has been your most recent headache as far as any technological changes? Uh, I actually had one a week or two ago. I had to contact um, Elsevier, the largest publisher in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They own about 2,000 journals, and one of them that is frequently cited by the authors who publish in our journal recently decided to change the name of their journal. But when they did that, all of their DOIs, their digital object identifiers that every journal article has, they were rerouting you to their old website, and they had not paid for the domain name registration. They let it lapse. Oh, no. (laughs) So when you were trying to find an article, it would just go to this page saying, under construction, owned by somebody else. Okay. If we said it once, people, we've said it a thousand times. Pay for your domain names. Don't let them lapse. Otherwise, when you try to go to JebBush.com, you end up going to DonaldTrump.com. Didn't that happen to Google? (laughs) Yes. I've been guilty of it as well, too. I've only owned one or two domains in my life, and I've let them both lapse. It's the reason WhiteHouse.gov was the White House, and WhiteHouse.com was a porn site. (laughs) (laughs) Pay for your domain names. (laughs) Uh, We had Andrew Adelman from PodcastGuest.com on here, and he was talking all about pay for your domain names. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... Anyway, yeah, it took me about two or three weeks and maybe a dozen emails with two or three people to get this issue sorted out. And it turned out it was a technical issue on their end that they weren't even aware of. And I was I just found it by accident doing my normal due diligence with checking references to make sure the reader can find a cited article if they want to go on and read it. So that's how hmm. that happened. 
most headaches I find by accident. <laughs> Looking for things, trouble. Things work most of the time, it seems mm-hmm. to me, but every once in a while, there's a hiccup. Darn hiccups. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, archiving is a major issue in the journals world, and not only making sure that all of your all of the things you publish are accessible on your own website, but that they're also accessible in databases, large databases like EBSCO or, for the medical sciences, PubMed and Medline. Mm-hmm. So that's important as well. And then, at least for journals, I don't think there's anything like this for books, but I could be wrong. There's also what is known as a dark archive, mm-hmm. and that is not accessible to the average user or even to the employees of, of the company of the material that's oh. being archived. There, There's one called, uh, I think it's clocks, locks and clocks, and I can't, I can't remember what they stand for, but you send your journal articles there, and if everything else gets lost everywhere else, you'll always have the backup there. It's sort of like a worst-case scenario. You hope to never use it, but it's like a, an extreme backup. So like the, the seed fall up in Sweden? Yeah, kind of like that. Okay. Just for journal entries and files. Okay, cool. Uh, books? Books are a different beast. I did work for a book publisher as my actual job for a couple of years, but it was a long time ago, and it was not in the United States. So I'm sure things have changed. There's there's a conference every year called the IDPF Conference, mm-hmm. International Digital Publishing Forum, I think. Right. And that's held in New York. And uh, at that conference, you'll hear about all the major technological trends in book publishing. I've never been able to attend it, but it would be really interesting, I think. That's from my understanding. I mean, that's where the big announcements come down on when they do change in formats, like when Amazon decided to move on from Moby to, what's it, MZW or what's Uh, AZW. AZW, yeah. And uh, anytime they make any change to EPUB or digital formatting or storage, this is the place where they come to announce it. That's right. And uh, I know they've, audiobooks have come to that a lot because... Mm. Uh, audiobook has been the growth industry the past two three years six yes, percent growth than e-books yeah yeah ebooks have ebooks leveled off and now are shrinking mm-hmm. but audiobooks it's six percent growth year over year the past five years oh wow yeah damn it's been interesting to see how the market has developed I, when we started as 21 four years ago you know our fourth birthday coming up in may Ebooks seemed to be the way the market was going, but yeah. then the market did a steep pullback, and there are many reasons for that. <coughs> Amazon, uh, <laughs> but it's been interesting trying to follow where the market is going, and it looks like the market is strongly pushing to audiobooks, such that uh, Smashwords even just signed a deal with Fairway uh, Productions to start producing audiobooks for its users. So, I primarily Smashbooks, their purpose was being an ebook, just a straight ebook distribution service. And the fact that they're now going to offer audiobook production shows that even that big sort of, well, it's not a behemoth because Amazon's the only behemoth. That sort of like force in the ebook industry realizes that ebooks aren't the way forward. 
Even right. at even at the journal where I work, we do a reader survey every year, and we've contemplated not printing the journal anymore to save money, just offering it as an electronic journal. But the overwhelming majority of people still want print. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of talk over the past decade of print being dead, and it really has not worked out that way. No. It's shrinking, but it's not dying. No. That's going to be my question. Paul, are you considering turning Will the Magi into an ebook? Or, sorry, audiobook? Well, I think, Keith, I think you and I discussed yes. that already, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is the plan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so we'll have Titanic. We'll, we'll do, we're doing the obvious initial one, which is the ebook paperback and hardcover. And then we'll figure out audio at some point. Yeah. Well, we are. We have been kind of building our technology here at AS21, and I have a space laid set out, and I'm building it into an actual audio book recording studio. And what we'd want to do is we'd figure out voice talent. And one thing I've learned from listening to audiobooks, whether it be through Audible or through Overdrive from my local library, is there is a lot of different styles. There are audiobooks where it's just you have either the author or a hired reader reading the book. And then there are some that are so incredibly well produced that you're kind of, it really brings you into the story. Like I read the, uh, there's the Star Wars Aftermath trilogy that came out. And I've read through two of those books as audiobooks. And they have the Star Wars music. They have the sound effects and everything and it's like you could really visualize and feel like you're watching a Star Wars movie while reading this audiobook. And of course I put out the audiobook that really got me sucked in to this whole stretch of audiobooks I've been listening to was uh, World War Z by Max, Rand- mm. Max Brooks. Yes. Which he had a full cast recording. Like you had one chapter where the reader was Alan Alda, another where it's Nathan Fillion, another where it's Mark Hamill. Right. Hey, kids, Mark Hamill. Uh, <laughs> so it's when we want to approach this, we want to try to be able to, and it's basically taking it back to what radio plays used to be. And they're just right. doing it with audio. I was going to say, now. they did a really cool radio play on BBC of Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. Yes. With like Benedict Cumberbatch and um, all sorts of other cool British actors whose names I don't know. And also that's my cat meowing in the background. Um, <laughs> And it was, like, beautifully produced, and it was less of a reading of the book and more, like, a, a play. Right. And it was cool. <laughs> All right, Arana, I just want to tell you right now, even though I have my headphones on, when your cat was speaking, both of my cats froze and stared at me. <laughs> so... I, I'm getting the dirtiest of looks right now from my female Simba. So I, I don't know where my not, cat is. I saw it over here earlier. Okay. My my cat has not been affected, so my cat did not hear it. So I also want to mention, like, in terms of most excellent audiobooks, hmm. the Harry Potter ones. Oh, of course. Uh, Stephen Fry reading Harry Potter audiobooks. Always the best. <laughs> So, I mean, just those are just fantastic. I mean, but that's also one actor, and he's just done so much where, you know, 
every character has a different voice. Right. You know, and he turns everything on and off, and he's wonderful. So I love those ones. I also remember when uh, Amy Poehler put out her book, Yes, Please. For her audiobook, she had a all-star cast. <laughs> Whenever she true. wanted, uh, she would read some of her bits, but like she had a chapter contributed by Seth Meyers. So Seth Meyers read that. Whenever she had any quotations in it, she had Patrick Stewart read it. And whenever <laughs> she, and then she had bits that uh, where she needed a more deep and sultry voice, so she got Kathleen Turner to read those. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think even uh, Tina Fey contributed a bit too. <laughs> so uh, I, I enjoyed the book, and I can only imagine it's probably far superior listening to the audiobook for that one. Than for than reading it in print, so, mm. so that that's one thing what we're looking at with audiobook production. If we're gonna do this, let's really make this an experience. So right, I mean, I'm not. We're not gonna get Patrick Stewart. His asking price is way too high. But maybe Have you we guys can, heard? We will get Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I will figure this out. Maybe we'll get Jonathan Frakes. I don't know. <laughs> I want Patrick Stewart and Ian McClellan to read my book. Sir Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McClellan, I want them to read my book. Those two gentlemen. <laughs> I will see this happen. Have you guys heard um, Audible? They're starting to do a thing now where they uh, basically, quote-unquote, publish a book in audiobook format only, and then like the written format comes later. Yep. I have heard of that. There's like a reversal happening. It's really interesting. Yeah. I know. Yeah. These are strange and unusual times we're living in. <laughs> but that, I mean, obviously that's just a subset of where digital is going. I, sure. I We chose here at AS21 as a cost-cutting measure after the second AS21 annual to go to all digital for the third and the fourth editions. Now we're wrapping up for the fifth edition and uh, we're still making our considerations there. We're going to have an announcement on that at our birthday party in May, so we'll we'll see where it's going to go with that. I think it makes sense for fiction to do ebooks. I don't know. I, I actually do most of my reading electronically now. Um, uh. I just think that with if you're trying to learn something, it helps to have that spatial reference of a printed text. Um, there have been studies mm-hmm. that show you retain more knowledge that way. Right. I've found that to be the case for me too. I personally, I just enjoy reading a physical copy so much more. Sure. So, like, if it's my first time reading a book, I'll do it. You know, I'll read it. You know, in a physical copy, whether that's ebook or a paper or hardcover. You know, doesn't matter. Depends on how it's available to me. I only really touch audio books if it's the only way it's available or if I already have read the book at least once. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. like, I've read Sherlock Holmes, the complete Sherlock Holmes, three or four times. And now it's a regular thing that I listen to as an audio. Now I have a new Mm -hmm. version to try out. Uh, Mm -hmm. Same thing with uh, all the works of H.P. Lovecraft. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Call Cthulhu as an audiobook was spooky well the, well they put the version i was listening to had the dark ominous music and the author yeah. the, the reader really got into like really amped mm-hmm. up the spook factor so the one i did i listen i like listening to it has a it has a different person doing each of the book each of the stories okay oh, so that's always nice i like that one nice mm-hmm. 
I personally, I collect art books. Like, they're, I can't not buy them mm-hmm. whenever I go to, like, bookstores or shows or whatever. And I love having physical copies of books to just, like, read and have open, like, spread out around me. Like, Google searching images for reference is fun and all, but then, like, I don't know, sometimes it's overwhelming, but, like, having a book in front of you makes it a bit more, like, manageable. And sometimes, you know, the book has information that you might not be able to find online. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. Which is really cool. Do you like the uh, Spectrum collections? Do you have any of those? I have Spectrum 19, and uh, I bought it at a used bookstore, I think, uh, a couple years ago. And I was slipping through it, and I was actually surprised how many of the artists in there I knew from, like, my perusals of the internet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, like, like, oh, yeah, I'm friends with that guy on DeviantArt. Good for him. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So, basically... Uh, there's been a move to electronic, but the public really isn't there. I know there's been several electronic magazines that have tried and failed. A few apps that tried to launch for iPad and Kindle that have tried and failed. I know Texture was just bought by Apple. Ah, okay. So we'll see what happens there, whether or not they're going to make a, a, a go of electronic magazines. Or what, what did they try? They tried to call e-zines. E-zines? Yeah, e-zines or e-zines. <laughs> they, they, you know, trying to come up with the cool marketing name for it. What was that other company? Was it Zinio? Yeah. No, there's been, yeah, a couple of them have tried to do those digital magazines. Yeah. I can't get into that. I, I know that there are, as far as from the library perspective, a lot of journals have cut back with their production so that their library copies, they're sending the electronic. Because then they can, you know, you create one electronic file and you send it to everyone and you're good. And that's why at, like, at the Library of Congress, if you go to their stacks, it's instead of three big rooms, it's only one now. Because all these magazines are switching to electronic. Uh, And then, of course, that all gets into the open access debate. And we could go for another 45 minutes talking open access. We could go for another 45 days talking about that. All right, so we're going to have to do open <laughs> access on another episode. So <laughs> and, That'll uh, be a fun time. Indeed. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll look around to see if we can get somebody good for that. Unless you know, Corey wants to come back and talk about it. Or we might have Corey and I somebody else. Yeah, I, we could do like a point-counterpoint. That would be interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, you definitely have some good insight on that. And All right. So that pretty much wraps up our discussion for this month, Chapter 37 of the Publishing Podcast. Remember, you can find us on Podomatic, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can reach us on Facebook.com slash Publish Podcast, Twitter at Publish Podcast, and Publish Podcast at AS21.com. So this is April. During the month, we will be at the Kensington Day of the Book on Sunday, April 22nd. That will be our fourth year going to Kensington. And Rana, you were there last year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, a good time Woo-hoo. on the main street in downtown Kensington. And we mm-hmm. just got word today we are uh, welcome back for the fourth year in a row to the Gaithersburg Book Festival in Gaithersburg, Maryland Yay! in next May. Woo-hoo. And that's actually, on. that's where Rana and I met where it's at Gaithersburg four <laughs> years ago. So Nice. So, yes. 
So back to Kensington, back to Gaithersburg. We're still waiting to hear about some other book festivals. And of course, in June, we'll be at Comic-Con here in Northern Virginia, the Virginia Comic-Con coming up to George Mason University. And, and then we've also received an invitation to the Western Maryland Independent Literature Festival at Frostburg State University in Frostburg, Maryland in the first Ooh. week of October. The second week of October will be the Fall for the Book Festival at George Mason University. And then the second week of November, I believe it's the weekend before Veterans Day, we'll be back in Charlottesville for the Charlottesville Book Festival, which we discussed a couple episodes back with Carolyn O'Neill, who hosted this past year's Charlottesville, and was organized it. And I think we had her on in December, talking the aftermath of the first annual. And we'll be doing that again. And we'll be helping out as co-sponsors of the event this year. And we're going to be doing live audio recordings throughout the day at that book festival. And in fact, there might be an announcement from AS21 real soon about some other thing to do with the Charlottesville Book Festival. So be on the lookout for that. But next next month's edition of Publish Me will be recorded live at the Possibilities Conference. So I will be interviewing people there, talking to Meredith Maislich of Possibilities Publishing and talking to the heads of Social Media Rescue. And then... Paul and Ron and I will be back to, and recording at the end of the month. But then, of course, you have many, many other opportunities to see us. There's also DC Author Fest on Saturday, April 21st. As far as I know right now, we're not taking part in that, but we'll find out. <laughs> and so a lot of great literary events coming out in the months ahead and a lot of good things coming out here on Publish Me as we continue the publishing process for World of Magi. Barely towards a summertime release. For AS21 Publishing, I am Keith F. Shelvin, publisher. I am Corey Parker, editor-in-chief at AS21 Publishing. I'm Rana Gaynor, a design consultant for AS21 Media. And as always, I am Paul Dickinson-Russell, the author of The Will the Magi. Remember everyone, where there are thoughts and ideas, there are stories. We'll see you next month. Copyright 2018, AS21 Media, LLC. All rights reserved. Is 21 Media. What do you want your story to be?